What is the quality of your faith? You see, we can hear the conviction and even exasperation in the mother's voice in today's gospel, can't we? Her faith is rooted in the one focused hope that Jesus can heal her daughter. Now contrast that to what we heard in last week's gospel, where Peter is called by Jesus to step out onto the water. He steps out into the water in faith, but it's fleeting. It evaporated so quickly when he saw where he was standing on the water, in the storm, even though he knew Jesus and had been walking with Jesus. But he doubted, and as a result was affected by the storm, and he sank. But today we hear this Canaanite woman boldly ask and even debate Jesus' words. And as a result, her faith in who Jesus is brought her daughter healing. Peter had little faith, as Jesus remarked. He, has, he was pulled out of the water in that moment of panic. And his faith had escaped him. And yet the woman had great faith, Jesus says today. And she really knew nothing of the Jewish faith or traditions or teachings. You see, faith is not something you buy or fake. It's not something reserved to the scholarly who study it. It is a leap into the unknown, trusting in a promise, trusting in a person, Jesus Christ. And we know this person in our teachings is fully man and fully God, as the Catechism reminds us. And from that, he is hope to this woman in need. And he is hope to you and I and those we bring Christ to in the world. I recently went to Portland to update my federal ID. As many of you know, I work for the federal government. And I thought I had to go in and get a new picture with my ID. So I dressed up in a suit and tie. I headed out. And when I arrived in Portland, I parked near Holiday Park. You might know that. It's by the Lloyd Center Mall. And as I walked from my car to the federal building, I passed a man sleeping on the sidewalk. The sleeping bag was just laying over him. He wasn't in it. It was just laying over him. He was hard asleep on the sidewalk, completely out, sleeping amongst the chaos of the freeway right nearby there, I-84, the noise of the Max Line drive, you know, coming by. There were sirens going off in the background. I thought briefly that maybe I ought to check on him. But I looked at him, and in that moment I said to myself, if he's here when I return, I'll stop to talk with him. I think I was actually banking that he wouldn't be there when I returned, to be honest. So an hour went by as I finished what I came to do, and as I walked back to my car again across the park, all dressed up, this man was sitting up, leaning against the park wall next to the sidewalk. I thought, you know what, he's not going to want to talk to this yuppie-looking guy who, in fact, has no money. I had no cash on me. What can I really share with her? Doubt is always sitting there at the doorstep, isn't it? 
The devil works us sometimes like puppets, and we find excuse not to engage our faith. He was a gruff-looking guy and was trying to light a cigarette at the time as I walked past him, and I kept having this internal argument that I should just be about my business and not bother him. My faith was weak. And then I heard my third-person voice in my head, my guardian angel hotline, as I say, saying to me, your faith is weak. So I immediately stopped. I turned and we locked eyes, and I proceeded to engage him, and the entire doubt experience fell away. Bruce was his name. And he was totally open to me sitting down and talking. And as we talked for some 30 minutes, I heard a tragic story of a life that had so many potholes, so many challenges that he had to work through. And he wasn't sure why he was out on the street and what he was going to do. And so this weak faith, this weak faith became more bold. And I asked him if we could pray together. He a Baptist and me a Catholic. Crazy, right? He was so open to it that it surprised me. It took me back. So we prayed. We prayed for him. And then he explained that his sister was having challenges. We prayed for his sister, who he shared was just diagnosed with lung cancer. We prayed for his faith. And we prayed for my faith to be built up. It was so incredible. I can't give it enough sense of how incredible it was. So affirming to me. And there was no doubt of feeling Christ with us and working through our faith in him. And yet it had no human rationale other than we were doing our best to trust in Christ and what he promises. I will not abandon you. I have made a place for you in my father's house. You are heirs to my kingdom. All these promises that we know and have heard throughout our lives as Christians coming to clarity for me and Bruce in that moment. St. John Oudes, whose feast we celebrate actually today, said, We are missionaries of mercy, sent by the Father of mercy, to distribute the treasury, treasures of mercy to those in need. Well, I tell you, thinking of that moment with Bruce, Bruce had more treasure of mercy for me that day than I did for him, and it humbled me. You see, we, we find it difficult at times to risk and to welcome those who are different or who seemingly do not belong to our group. Or we feel we don't belong to their group. The only group we should be focused on is Christ's group. And who is that? It is everyone who can see and hear the truth in the gospel. That's Christ's group. But that is a call to radical prayer and living. The more you practice being a Christian who risks for Christ the more you can set down personal biases and culturally established criteria in judging people. 
The gospel this Sunday teaches us a lesson on unity and solidarity among all of God's people. And interestingly, this lesson comes neither from the disciples nor from any member of the chosen people of God. It comes from a Canaanite woman, a mother who's advocating for a daughter. All of those things in that day and age were not kosher. That was not allowed. At first, when, we, when she asked Jesus, Jesus may seem cold and indifferent, even insulting when he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But as I read that over and over again, I, I had to think to myself, not in my absolute mind, but in my mind of mercy that God places there. That he was simply testing her faith, making sure her faith was pure and strong. And it served as one more challenging example to his disciples. That Jesus has in truth come for all humanity. He is here for anyone who can hear and believe the gospel. Anyone. You and I must stop leading our lives and offer to be led when it comes to Jesus. Thinking of Peter, always wanting to be out ahead. That's me. That might be you. Jesus was led to Calvary. And so must we if we are to truly follow him. Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Let that phrase from last week's gospel not discourage us, but humble us. To be people open to so much more in our faith as followers of Christ and followers of his way. As I worked on this homily, I came across a quote from a priest who stated powerfully, It is not the arithmetic of our prayer, how many. It is not the rhetoric of our prayer, how eloquent. It is not the geometry of our prayer, how long. It is not the music of our prayer, how sweet sounding. Faith, he says, faith, he says, is what counts in prayer. What was necessary in the prayer of the Canaanite woman of today's gospel is her faith and trust in Jesus. If the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith, as the Catechism describes, then it is necessary that we express our faith, weak or strong, in every time and place, not just here at Mass. Let's encourage each other to keep the faith in everything we do in our lives. Receive him today, renewed in our faith, that what he has sacrificed for us is true and real food that heals us, transforms us into believers with great faith.